0: Hey everybody, it's Neil Blackman. Welcome to the Florida Basketball Hour. Today's show, we will uh, wrap Florida's victory in the Jimmy V Classic over West Virginia, a game I had a chance to go to, um, and I will talk to Eric Fawcett of GatorCountry.com about that win and preview tomorrow's huge game in the at Zach Tech Arena, o- Stephen C. O'Connell Center against number ten Michigan State. Um, so, thanks for listening, and we hope you uh, enjoy today's show. Anyway, um, okay, so let's let's uh, let's get to it. A big win for Florida at the uh, at the Garden um, Tuesday night. I was I had the, the privilege of, of scheduling a, a real job business trip, so I was able to go. <laughs> and um, it's always good when you can schedule a business trip just in time for for that sort of event. But um, you know, people kept calling it ugly, and I. You know, I don't know. It just seemed to me like this sort of is who Florida is at this point. I, I don't want to say that with certainty because it's still the first week of December. But, you know, that's a pretty good team that they played. I think, and they just suffocated them. Didn't get much offensively, but just suffocating defense. You wrote a, an article about it at uh, Gator Country. Um, it just talked about how how Florida has really been able to increase their turnover rate and the way that they turn, they can turn people over and, and maybe that'll get the offense going. Like it's hard to get out and transition against West Virginia, but maybe in the future, that's something that Florida can build on. What were your kind of thoughts of, of Florida's performance Tuesday?
1: Well, I think that's, um, I think the West Virginia is not as bad as, uh as after they played Florida. Um, I think that that's, um, that's a good quality opponent with um with some uh some pieces that hypothetically could match up and um uh, against florida in a really positive way with the way that it's good size and guys that can kind of stretch it out um they can't be big um i don't i definitely thought we won the backcourt battle but uh i feel like getting a 10 point win over west virginia no matter how ugly it is is going to be a really good win for for florida down the road and i think it's going to be one of those kind of wins that uh, that kind of ages like a fine wine i think that as you see west virginia knocking off some teams in conference it's just going to look better and better for florida and um yeah i i, I watched them um, you know the first game that the west virginia played against buffalo um and uh, you know buffalo was awesome they had an incredible game and obviously won but i went away from that game thinking like wow like west virginia is still a, a really good team and they could score the ball very very well against a good buffalo a good defensive buffalo team so um i think people uh yeah, people just need to know that like, this wasn't just some like, like Florida made a good offensive team look horrendous on offense. And I think that that's um, really impressive. I think, like you said, I think this is probably a little bit of um, what Florida is going to be like. And uh, though the offense was, uh, was pretty bad for that, you know, eight and a half minute drought at one point. Uh, if, if you defend the way that the team did the other night and um, do, you know, doing it against the top 25 defensive team, uh, you're still going to win a lot of games.
0: Yeah, James Bolden, um, a really talented scorer, uh, a very good shooter, goes one for 10 from the floor. Mostly Kayvon Allen, but Noah Locke, some too, actually. Yeah. Uh, dealing with that in the Florida in the 1 3 1. Um, what, what did you think about you know, Florida's decision defensively?
1: Well, I uh I always thought Florida should be playing more zone the last couple of years. I forget the exact number, but I think like two percent of their possessions they played zone last year. Um yeah, and I thought the one three one looked awesome. Uh I'm also really interested, um, the fact that they did the one three one kind of just like trapping all around the half court. Interesting. I'm I'm interested if they play the one three one um a little more trapping. I, I think that could be a look that looks really good. And we've seen Mike White uh use the one three one in the past, uh because just the team hasn't played a lot of zone um, generally. But I think that could be a really good look. And with Andrew Nemhard up at the top of it, um, it, it would be maybe a way to to use um, Isaiah Stokes in maybe his best kind of capacity if he plays the middle of that one one zone and can um, just kind of stay in the paint and not have to go out and guard, screen, and roll. Um, I, I think it's going to be really good. And um, as I kind of mentioned in that article, I know we're dealing with some pretty small sample sizes at this point but the the zone defense has been incredible for florida just um turning opponents over a ton on their opponents are shooting less than 30 percent from the field um the zone has just been incredible and i I think that we'll probably see it uh we'll see it a lot more
0: yeah i saw you said that that it's 10.4 percent of possessions which um after i read it i i did some frantic research on the first two games of the ncaa tournament and in 2017, the uh, Elite Eight run. And yeah, I mean, that 10.4% in one game that whole season, they only did that against Middle Tennessee, where they played 25% zone defense. Um, and I think that was an adjustment that White made about midway through the first half of that game, but I'm not totally, you know, certain. So it was pretty interesting to me.
1: Right. Yeah, that's. Uh... Get, that East Tennessee team, uh, like, definitely dealing with the team that was highly uh, athletic. I said, I said middle, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, got, I got you. Um, but, yeah, I think that um, that you'll be able to uh, yeah, to see Florida. That, um, not that they're going to be kind of – well, okay, I actually look back at it, and I see when, you know, when, when Florida played Florida State, um, the Gators were just totally out-athleted at a lot of positions. And it makes me wonder um, what would have happened if they were to play a little bit more zone and uh, not relied on as much guys kind of locking down one-on-one and uh, maybe just packing it in. And obviously Florida state did hit some jump shots. Um, I, I still, you know, seeing the zone now, it makes me wonder like, Oh, if only we had that ready on, on night one of the season. Um, Cause maybe they didn't have that uh, ready night one of the season, or maybe there was something about the scout that they thought it might not work as well against them. Um, obviously when you play uh, Taller teams, a lot of times they can kind of pass over the top of your traps and your and your uh, your zone look. So maybe that was it, but uh, yeah, it had me wondering a little bit. Yeah,
0: well, another thing that was interesting, and this kind of gets into the Michigan State game, which we'll get to in a minute. But I mean, they Bob Huggins tried a lot of stuff. I mean, he he tried German Haley as the primary ball handler for a couple minutes. They had they had Jordan McCabe, who's a freshman that I I kind of have a high opinion of. Um, although he was not very good against Florida, um, you know, it, it, hard. it really didn't matter who they put, you know, to initiate the offense. They just couldn't get a whole lot going from their guards, whether they were small or big. And, and certainly uh, Michigan State is a team um, that, that has a small point guard that I think maybe Florida can, can bother a little bit in that regard
1: yeah Cassius Winston has been really prone to turnovers throughout his career and being a shorter guard uh, that obviously lends uh, those kind of players are the ones that uh, that you can trap a lot harder because they can't see over the top of uh, even uh, uh like look at Andrew Nemhart where uh, like there's a few possessions where West Virginia tried to trap him and there's one especially kind of later in the in the second half where he was getting trapped on um, kind of like deep almost near the uh near the half court line and he just kind of saw over the top and just laser to pass into Kavarius Hayes for a dunk. And it was just like, you know, like you can't do that if you're a six foot point guard, but Andrew Nembhardt can do it with his, uh, um, with his height. So uh, I think that, yeah, I think that you could definitely see Florida try to try to trap Cassius Winston, someone who's been pretty turnover prone and uh, hopefully get some steals out of there. And um, I, I, I think that they'll probably be ready for it a little bit looking at um watching how Florida played, played against West Virginia. Um, But at the same time, like it's tough to prepare for those traps because the game moves so fast. You can't always say, Hey, if you get trapped, here's going to be your outlet guy. Because, um, uh, you know, in in a live game that uh, things don't often work exactly how you think they will.
0: Let's talk about two, you know, individual performances. Um, And I want to start with, with Kivarius Hayes. who I thought had one of his best games. Um, just you know, and I and I know Stone certainly had a lot to do with the way that Florida was able, and Stokes with the way Florida was able to defend Canate. But I thought you kind of saw who Kavarius Hayes is uh, as sort of this relentless defender and this centerpiece of of what Florida wants to do inside defensively against West Virginia. The, the numbers weren't outrageous, but I thought uh, a really tremendous game. Two blocks, six rebounds, six points. Um, you know, what is he, you know, what, what do you think he's offering defensively as a senior? Is it, is it consistent? Is it better? What are you seeing?
1: Yeah. Like the, the consistency he brings is, is pretty incredible. Like you said, he's going to work his hardest all the time and, uh, his ability to kind of, uh, one thing that I think is kind of underrated with, uh, with a player, like, uh, like a center usually is their foot speed, not only necessarily kind of side to side on switches, um, but uh, I think a lot of times you see in a lot of offensive sets where the other team's kind of five man um, sets a screen sets a back screen for a guard and then comes up to the to the elbow to get a pass. And then, you know, he turns and squares up and usually has um, a dribble or two to start backing down his defender. But Cavarius Hayes is just so quick to the basketball. There was a lot of times where Seg Kanate was. Like get the ball at the elbow and he turned thinking he'd have a dribble or two and suddenly he was already chest to chest with Kavarius Hayes and um, just the way that he's so quick to the basketball is, uh, is very different for a lot of uh, a lot of the five men he has to guard and I think he's making it very uncomfortable and uh, just yeah the fact that he uh, uh, the fact that he is so kind of like versatile if he ever does get switched on to, uh, to a guard he's been pretty good there um, and, and it's, it's crazy. Cause I think that's, it's really, really similar with Keith stone too. is the same thing, just so quick to the basketball and doesn't give, give players time. Where I think a lot of post players are used to, uh, kind of having, they get kind of used to getting to play the game at a little bit of a slower pace than a guard or a wing. Um, but they, uh, Kavari says doesn't let them do that.
0: Yeah. And he's got, he's got another thing he's gotten better at. And there wasn't one, in fact, of, of well, it was only two blocks on uh, against West Virginia. But he's gotten a little bit better at controlling the the way the, the way that his his blocks come off. I mean, like I don't think that the offensive rebound or offensive gain possession after the block shot with him is very high. Um, in fact, on the year, it's at twenty percent, which is really that's a really good number. For example, Dante Bassett is second on Florida in blocks with five and. 60% of them have gone to the other team, so He's not really, you know, and that's great. Like, it's great that he blocks the shot, but, you know, the, Joe Kim Noah was the best
1: at that, just being able to to block the ball and turn it into transition offense. Yeah, that always, uh, when you get that block and take points off the board for the other team and, and uh, get it going the other way for yourself, that's uh, <laughs> that's obviously special. But uh, the way, too, that uh, you get so many shots, like, he's not like kind of the stand at the rim and guards kind of take it into him. And he, he's there to block shots. He's, it's a lot more of the kind of the weak side where he rotates over. And those right. are just like such like, like, those are the, those are the the buckets where uh, teams really think they have a layup and he just goes and erases it. So when I see that he's, you know, averaging near two blocks a game, that really feels like he, like that's four points off the board every single time. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I've been really happy with them. Um, I also did what I told. I actually forgot to tell you this. I did what I was uh, told you I was going to do, and I looked at every one of Kavarius Hayes' uh, makes from this season to see how many were assisted by were uh, uh, by Andrew Nemhart, and fifty percent <laughs> <laughs> of Kavarius Hayes' buckets this year have been um, have been assisted by Nemhart. Um, though watching the film too, I think it's also. Uh, ooh, I didn't. I didn't keep track of it, but even the uh, the amount of times that Andrew Nemhard gave him a really good pass and he you know got fouled and got to go shoot two was um, incredible too. So I almost thought the number was going to be higher than fifty percent. But uh, if you were to add in the times that uh, Andrew Nemhard gave him a great feed and got him to sent to the free throw line, I think that uh, I think that that would add to the uh, to how much Andrew Nemhard and and Kavarius Hayes have been uh, working well together. Yeah,
0: it's interesting because. When Florida's Florida's obviously had, continues to struggle with these six, seven-minute segments where they don't get a lot out of their motion offense. I think you sent a tweet about this, but some of the set plays, uh, in particular, some of the actions that they run to, for Nibhardt and, and Hayes and Stone are uh, pretty effective at generating baskets.
1: Yeah, that was uh, – uh, there's – obviously, there's, there's no really way other than the eye test to say, like, hey, is this bucket out of a set or is this bucket out of just kind of their motion offense – but uh, so this is pretty anecdotal. But um, wh- when they've when they've had the chance to kind of set up on a sideline out of bounds or something, and uh, probably you know Mike White just really gets to draw it up and give very specific assignments. Um, Florida's run some some really good stuff, and just like that one I tweeted out, I just thought it was a gorgeous set. Um, yeah, well- but yeah, it's just uh, whether that we, Florida wants to be uh, a, a team that does kind of like look to score out of their motion or. Um, or kind of like get get to spots and run a set. um will be interesting because I know Florida, um Mike White always talks about playing fast, and I know they haven't played fast. Um, really, but uh, if if you want to play fast, you probably want to do a lot of your kind of scoring out of out of motion. You probably don't want to get Andrew Nemhart set up at the top. let people get to their spots and now, like Kate run it, and then they go and run a play. That's probably not the way Mike White wants to play basketball. <laughs> um but at the same time, I think that. Uh, yeah, you see that uh, you see some of the the, the layups we got from Cavarius uh, Hayes, and uh, you just wonder. It's like, oh, if you could get more buckets like that, uh, I would put a lot less pressure on on the guys like Kayvon Allen that are out there in the motion offense, saying like, hey, go beat your man off the dribble and make something happen. Yeah,
0: Florida gets uh, 19 from Kayvon Allen, who appears to really enjoy playing in the garden. Um, <laughs> not like actually his most efficient night, mainly because he had kind of, he had the four turnovers. Um, but you know the way that he defends the way that florida gets down 31-30 and you know cavon aggressively attacks the basket gets fouled um just little thing senior leadership that you're you're
1: seeing out of Kayvon, even though
0: he doesn't speak
1: yeah that's uh he's another guy like Kavari says that uh, you you never have to question his effort on the defensive end and though he doesn't talk very much i think that they're are uh, Uh, That probably sets a culture for the guys like, like Noah Locke, who's, uh, who's kind of same thing. He comes in ready to defend at that position. And um, it was interesting when Mike White said the other day in uh, his press conference, he's like, I I need Kayvon Allen taking twice as many shots as anyone on the team. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I, I, I'm still not entirely sure how, how I feel about that just because he hasn't been highly efficient his, his entire career. Um, But at the same time, like, as much as it can be uh, uh, you know, when he runs up the floor in transition and stops on a dime and shoots a pull-up three um, though, those misses hurt, but man, those makes feel good. So it's kind of one of those, uh, uh, one of those kind of tough things where it's like uh, when Florida's offense isn't looking great, sometimes uh, a pull-up cave Allen three might be one of your better looks, but uh, when those don't come out, uh, it can be tough because it's like, Oh, that, you know, it doesn't feel like you made the defense work so much and, and stuff like that. But uh, I think that if Florida is gonna get some big wins, they might need another thirty-five point K- uh, Kayvon Allen game or a, a thirty-point game from him, and um, maybe he even needs just one of those just to kind of uh, get himself going for a, for kind of a more consistent effort. But um, yeah, we uh, obviously since day one have been talking about him and him and Hudson, and Kayvon Allen has been the one that has got his game. Um, kind of looks he almost looks better every game than the last, and uh, that's hey, that's uh, that's pretty good, especially from a senior. Yeah, and I mean look. If he's gonna, if you gotta pick a
0: guy that that's gonna take 13 shots against West Virginia on a night where your leading scores over six from the floor, <laughs> we saw the old Dre on offense, and uh, well, I mean we just did. I'm not even gonna apologize for saying that. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> Noah Locke was, you know, one for five, makes the first jumper, and then. Actually, no missed, like, three uncontested jump shots, which is kind of unusual for somebody with that good a stroke. But, uh, yeah, I would say you'd want Kayvon Allen to shoot the ball. So I guess in that respect, I understand what what Coach White's saying. But it's also
1: kind of telling as to where Florida is offensively, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's kind of the thing. Like, I think in your in your perfect world, you probably have – two or three guys that have about the same amount of, uh, of shots. And maybe it's, you know, like 11 or 12. And then you have all your, all your role guys that uh, you have a few shooters that have four or five attempts and the offense is a little more spread out. So I think anytime a coach says, um, Hey, we need this guy taking like so many of our jump shots uh, that probably doesn't, uh, doesn't always mean great things, but I also understand like, Hey, if he's taking a lot of the shots and, and the defense is adjusting then yeah we get more open looks for um for Noah Locke who you know I think is going to keep uh keep I think he'll you know I think the next game he gets three open looks I think he'll hit more of them than he misses and uh to get open shots for for Keith Stone another guy who's a a good catch and shoot guy um I guess if uh, if you do have one guy that is the focal point that teams try to stack up against maybe that's maybe that's one way just to uh to get to get some of the other guys freed up so um
0: Florida look to build off this big home game uh, tomorrow against uh, Michigan state uh, come in, in the top 10. Uh, obviously, I mean, people know what they, they bring to the table. Mostly, you know, you, when you play a team coached by Tom Izzo, you're going to play uh, a really, a really uh, well-coached team, a very balanced team. They're going to go inside out a lot. Um, they pound you inside, but, but they can, this incarnation is sneaky good in transition. Um, I think that a lot of their three-point baskets are, are made in transition. They like to to do the the new era thing where you you take the three on the break, um, and then they have a couple of guys defensively that are a handful in, in Xavier Tillman and and uh, Nick Ward.
1: Yeah, that's gonna be a going to be another kind of challenging test for Florida's front court. And then I think that they're, they're ready to take it. But like you said, they play inside out a ton. Um, just, uh, you know, I don't know if there's a team I've watched this year that, that goes, goes inside as much as they do. Uh, even Kenny Goins who's not going to score as much is still a guy that they throw it down to and, uh, they kind of play off him. Um, so, I mean, that's a guy you probably want to force to try to score one-on-one and don't double a ton. Um, but I, I'm actually really interested because I, I honestly think Florida's defense is going to look really good against against Michigan State because Michigan State is throw the ball into the paint, force a double and kick it out and get a three. And um, Florida's defense is just so quick, just like we talked about before, that I think they're going to be able to double team and get out to shooters at the same time. And um, I think that's just kind of one thing to to watch for if you're yeah, just as a fan, just to be able to. To see like, hey, what does Florida do when the ball gets down on the block? Because we know Michigan State's going to put it there. So um, if uh, I like I and the other thing, too, is I I think against this team, I think you can let Cassius Winston go four for seven from the three point line and Joshua Langford go go four of eight from the three point line and and still win. Because um, I think if you can neutralize those the points on the inside and let those guys shoot some. Uh, maybe shoot a couple semi-contested threes, even if they hit them at a high rate, I still think that Florida's defense is going to be good against everything else they run. And I don't think they need to um, sell out absolutely and say like, oh, we need to take away every possible three-point attempt that's, and, and just try to run them off the line every time. Um, I, I don't think that Michigan State is super athletic, both in their kind of, Cassius Winston, not super athletic for a point guard, which makes the matchup with Andrew Mhart probably a little bit better because Andrew Nembhardt's got, you know more size, and Winston's not going to blow by him a ton. And they the, those front court pieces are massive, but not super, uh, not super, uh, not very quick moving their feet side to side. And um, they don't have any wings that are really going to scare you. So um, I actually really like this matchup for Florida.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think. Look uh, to me, the guy that is kind of the X factor is is Nick Ward. I mean, you kind of referenced it a little bit. Uh, he, he takes. The third most shots on the team behind Winston and Langford, obviously. Uh, he shoots a pretty staggering 82% at the rim, which is, uh, that's like an NBA number. Um, so, you know, the key is to make him not <laughs> to shoot at the rim. But he's a 31% two-point jump shooter, but he's shooting 82% at the rim. So what's that, <laughs> what's that tell you? Uh Tells you that he's really great at, at getting in position and getting where he wants to be, and then when he gets fouled, um, he not quite not quite at as high a clip as Kenny Owens, but he's still you know a sixty six percent career free throw shooter, which is pretty good for a big. Um, he leads them in offensive rebound putbacks. Uh, he's got six of those on the year, seventy five percent on offensive rebounds of the time he's going to score. So. You know, I kind of feel like this is th- that's kind of the player that that Florida has to neutralize, and if you can do that, I don't think that Tillman and Goins, as you reference, offer quite as much offensively.
1: Yeah, I just think that it, you see teams that are so conditioned to double team in the paint that sometimes they, yeah, a guy like Kenny Goins who's not gonna really hurt you too much going one on one in the post, but you know he gets the ball and teams still like see the ball six feet from their own rim and, and kind of get frantic and trying to trying to double down. And, and I think Michigan state, like you said, a really well-coached team is just so well-suited to, to punishing teams. So uh, it'll be kind of a matter of discipline for the Gators and um, especially their kind of guards. And and we'll see how kind of the younger guys like Keontae Johnson and and Noah Locke and um, Deandre Ballard, if they can be disciplined and knowing, Um, where the help is supposed to come from. So they don't over help if they're, they're not the guy that's supposed to be doubling down or or helping out. Um, Because yeah, what, what, what would be a recipe for the Gators to lose badly would be the ball going into the post and having two or three guys kind of take three steps towards their own hoop, kind of stunting towards thinking like, Oh, if he makes a move, I better be there to help. And then having three available open shooters for, for someone to kick out to for an open three Uh, if it can be, Hey, uh, he's on the block here. Um, I know Noah Locke is in help and he goes and gets a foot in the paint and everyone else is ready to help the helper. If the ball gets kicked out, Um, that's where I think Florida can be really, really successful with their speed to the basketball. And um, yeah, I think that Florida can have another really good defensive game and um, against what, what really is a a very, very good offensive team, but one that I think Florida's strengths match up with.
0: Yeah, no, I heard uh, Jay Billis talking about the game a little bit this morning and he actually identified what you did and added that uh, it's something I noticed, but didn't really watch long enough to, to be able to diagnose. Nor do I know as much as basketball as Jay, but uh, <laughs> the that they're they're very good at attacking switches later in the shot clock too, which is part of the reason that they're kind of effective at getting Ward near the rim in mismatches. Which I think Florida just has to stay disciplined on switches. We have saw them have some issues with that, but you don't want a situation where say keith stone goes out to help on an outside shooter and all of a sudden you know you've got nick ward working on avon s next than the shot clock that's, that's a recipe for failure well
1: that's a, that is interesting you mentioned that because yeah that's even um i'm curious to see what florida does if they switch as much as they kind of have they actually switched less against west virginia which i think was a smart move because they have guys that want to post up and would be happy to get a small on them, but but yeah, that was kind of the one of the reasons I thought Oklahoma was able to to beat the Gators was just because um, they were very content to just run a few screens and intentionally get Andrew Nemhart guarding Jemani McNeese on the block, and then they would um, kind of like go punish them for that. And uh, I, I think if Florida is switching every ball screen, they're going to be put in some tough spots. And like I said, Cassius Winston is not a super athletic point guard. So if my thought is, if you have Nick Ward going and setting a screen for him, uh, Andrew Nemhart should be able to fight under the screen or fight over a screen, have whoever have Kavarius Hayes, you know, play drop coverage or something and neutralize it. And, um, probably actually with Cassius Winston, you probably want Andrew Nemhart going over the top. So he doesn't shoot (laughs) his three, but, um, but yeah, just to, uh, And just to work over that screen and not get that switch because if we see them just say hey we're going to play switching so the screen comes and they automatically switch it nick ward is beelining towards the block um cassius winston's going to swing the ball to the wing and it's going to get an entry pass and florida could be in tough shape because then you'll really have to double down and and it'll challenge your defensive communication so i i would like to see the team switching less um but um but i also know that uh yeah we've we kind of know Mike White wants to be uh, actively switching, so that'll be something to watch.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, when they shoot in transition, it's almost always Winston or Langford, uh, which is probably why they shoot about, what, it's 40. Yeah, their three-point percentage as a team is 35, but it's 42.7 in transition, which is really good. Um, and... And most of those shots are coming from from Winston and Langford. But once you get them into half court sets, which Florida is very good at making opponents do, you know, I mean, Nick Ward leads them in field goal attempts. He leads them in in field goal percentage. Uh, he leads them in two point jumper percentage, which is bizarre. Uh, so. You know that's that's the guy that they go to when they're late in shot clocks and, and they need an answer because he's able to get fouled and, and also because I think they're, they're good at capitalizing on switches. They're a veteran team that can do that.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of one of the things that's, uh, that I like with the way Michigan State plays is as one has kind of gotten away or as a lot of teams have gotten away from, uh, um, from playing post, kind of one-on-one post-up basketball is uh, they've kind of said like, hey, uh, we are going to punish teams for, for switching. And we're like, if we see six foot two Kayvon Allen, just switching um, without you, you, like switching on one of our bigs, just because uh, we set an off ball screen, like, Hey, we're going to get upon on the block and we're going to try to punish them. And I think there's not enough teams that, uh, that probably do that or have the players that are um, skilled enough to really punish them. And uh, yeah, Michigan state's a little bit of a throwback, uh, a throwback style, but I, I really like it. And I, I respect it.
0: They've got, uh, Xavier Tillman's a very good shot blocker. Ward is a capable shot blocker. That's another game where Florida, we'd really like to see Florida finish better at the rim than they have. Um, I mean, what do you think Florida will do to try to attack um, Michigan State in terms of, of offense? Like, I think Florida's really going to look to, if they get steals, they're going to try to get out and transition because the game where Florida might actually be just as athletic as someone, which we haven't seen a lot on this year.
1: Right. Um, I mean, I, I do think that Kayvon Allen's going to be having the green light, and I think he'll be taking a lot of the, the early shots. Um, I I think that once again, I think the fact that uh, they do have a front court that's not super athletic and not super, uh, not super quick. I would love to see Florida doing some more of the kind of uh, too high kind of ball screen stuff where they get hopefully both bigs away from the hoop um, have just kind of like, again, like this, this set that I, tweeted out the other day um, where they, uh, yeah, they just really use some good off ball movement to occupy the help side so that when they hit the roller, there's no one there to help. Because I think with the way that Kavarius Hayes is going to be quicker than Nick Ward, I think if you can occupy the help and Andrew Nemhardt is, can use his excellent passing, I think you can get some points at the rim that way. Um, but this will also be like you said, just about the kind of um, the way that Florida is probably going to be a, a more athletic at a few positions um, you know, maybe this is the time that Florida is actually able to, to score consistently in their motion just because they do have, you know, DeAndre Ballard should have some matchups where he can get to the hoop. Um, Kayvon Allen should have some matchups where he can get to the hoop. Um, uh, ho- hopefully uh, when Jalen Hudson gets his seven minutes, he can, uh, <laughs> he can get his shoulders by someone and get to the hoop. Uh, so uh, I, I, you know, maybe this is the game where Florida's just plain motion works out a little bit better than we've seen. Um, but if not, I'd love to see, uh, I'd love to see offense that gets those bigs away from the hoop and um, kind of maybe open some lanes for Florida that way. So I was thinking about a couple games last year where,
0: where Florida was able to use, was able to use some of its more athletic players to get, you know, either the one isolated big or both the bigs out into the, into the, you know, away from the basket a little more. Um And I started thinking maybe this is a good game for Dante Bassett. It's almost sad that I thought Dante Bassett might be more useful in this game than Jalen Hudson, but it's kind of, it's, it's kind of where we are and and Florida was really good at using Bassett in in both the Auburn game and the Kentucky game at home last year to just sort of draw defenders away from the basket and give their wings a chance to attack. Um, you know, maybe that's Keontae Johnson. Maybe, maybe it's Keystone and we all just pray that he makes it when he gets in there. Um, but I'm not trying to throw shade at all our players today either. I just, right. I don't know how stone just mystifies me sometimes. So I'm like, how do you miss so many shots at the rim with his body? But um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. That could be, it, it's interesting. I wish Dante Bassett set better screens. Cause I feel like he'd be a perfect player for this game. If he did that, but he hasn't really shown that consistency in that regard yet.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I think Dante Bassett has been good in his minutes. He's fouled at a very high rate and that's, partially with him <laughs> off the floor. Um, but honestly, I, I honestly think that the way that Keith Stone and, and Kavarius Hayes have just defended so well, I think that that's just warranted them a lot of minutes. And, and that's right. why uh, Dante Bassett hasn't been out more. I know some people um, on the Gator Country boards, for sure, have been kind of petitioning for more minutes for Bassett. And I can see where they're coming from. I just think that um, you kind of, I think, Florida's identity is that they're going to have to be an elite, elite defensive team. And right now, Keith Stone and Cavarius Hayes are um, to me, the guys, they're really, um, they're, they're the best defensive players on, uh, you know, a defense. That's the only way that's thing. That's really winning us games right now. So, um, yeah, I think that's the only reason Bassett hasn't gotten uh, too many minutes, but, uh, we've also seen that, uh, in a few attempts that Dante Bassett can knock down the three. So if he could set better screens, like you said, and be a guy who could even pick and pop a little bit, um, that would give an interesting, uh, kind of element to the deep or to the offense. And, um, yeah, even if he could set some better screens and if you could even take a book from, uh, Kavarius Hayes, which is, um, kind of funny because uh, he's probably not the model offensive big in a lot of ways, but I mean, <laughs> Kavarius Hayes has been able to screen and roll and, and get some looks from Andrew Nemhart. And if, if I'm Dante Bassett, um, I want to learn to set really good screens, pick the perfect time to, to cut towards the hoop off those screens and, uh, and get some layups. Yeah,
0: no, definitely. Uh, well, all good points, by the way, I, I, I should tell our listeners that that uh, Scotty Lewis and Alex Klatsky were were on hand in the in the garden on Tuesday, and the biggest celebration from uh, Scotty Lewis was was when the team celebrated a uh, shot clock violation. But also heard was was Scotty Lewis talking about how he he couldn't wait to play with Keontae Johnson because he just loved the way that, that guy gets after it. And I thought that was kind of telling. Like it's interesting that, that that's the kind of player that,
1: that Lewis apparently is drawn to already. That is really interesting. And it does kind of matches his, his play style. Uh, I do think that Scotty Lewis's ability to score the ball has probably been overstated uh, just at least in my experience watching him play. Um, I do think he's kind of, uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely more of kind of like a rugged um, defensive player and someone who will, Um, provide some great offense in transition, but uh, he's not a guy who I think is going to dribble down a defender and and pull up and hit a mid range jump shot or something. So uh, it is good to see though, that he wasn't um, maybe off put by some of the more bad offensive stretches from the Gators and instead looked at uh, just the way that they they played a rock fight and, and uh, against the team that's notorious for playing rock fight games in West Virginia. And the fact that the Gators beat them by double digits. And that's, that's really good. Um, just one other Scotty Lewis note. I think it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I wonder if, um, bringing Scotty Lewis a little closer to home had something to do with the, the announcements of the, uh, the home and home here with, uh, with UConn, but, um, the, that's a, that's a pretty cool announcement schedule wise that, uh, you know, Florida is going to go to UConn next year. And then, um, Get the return in Gainesville the year after, and uh, that'll be kind of a uh, kind of close to a home game for Scotty Lewis. And I think that that may be uh, maybe why it's uh, in, uh, in 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 uh, UConn next year and in Gainesville the year after that. Because uh, I'm not sure uh, Scotty Lewis will still be around for that one.
0: Yeah, no, they. I mean, they they uh they definitely they definitely play everybody, Mike White, and this program. And I think. Uh, I think that's you know that's a great thing, and and certainly uh, it was cool to see those guys, like you said, on hand and excited about the way Florida played and, and less worried about the fact that they weren't filling it up and, and having highlight real dogs. Because it's interesting, I mean, you know, Florida just beats one team that's that's kind of made a living off winning rock fights. And, you know, the early uh, – Tom Izzo's teams have improved offensively in the last decade of his career. I think he'd tell you that. And, and, uh, that used to sort of be Michigan State's MO too, is boy, you better be ready to, to get physical with them. And, you know, if you're not, they they can really hurt you and dominate you. So we'll see uh, if the Gators are up for tomorrow, but I don't think it's a terrible matchup for Florida.
1: Yeah. If you look at just kind of, um, a lot of the other kind of top 10 top 15 ish teams in college basketball, I'm not sure there's one that, uh, uh, kind of matches up with the Gators as well as I think the uh, Michigan state does. And um, that's why I'm just, I'm just super excited. And obviously the fact that they've got home court, home court, that should, uh, that's going to be worth a few points. I think um, I'm sure the rowdies are going to be, uh, be ready to go for this one. This is probably one of the ones that they've had circled on their calendar as probably the, the, probably the best non-conference game in, in Gainesville. So um, yeah, I'm super, super excited.
0: Yep. No doubt. I think, uh, I think this and yeah, and I agree. I think this in Tennessee are probably the, the two games where if you look at Florida's roster, you say, well, you know, that's a top 10 team that they can get a really high level quadrant one win against. So um, we'll see, you know, that the O'Connell center tends to deliver and they, you know, it's a brutal place to play. Ask, yeah, uh, that's pretty much any opposing coach. So uh, we'll see, we'll see if the Gators are up for it tomorrow. And, and uh, thanks for, uh, for joining me today.
1: Oh, it's always great to talk Florida basketball and uh, hope we can can talk about a big win next week. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Eric. All right. Bye now.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Florida Basketball Hour. Thanks to Eric Fawcett, as always, for joining us as a special guest. Catch all his work at GatorCountry.com. Uh, and we hope that you'll you'll download and subscribe to our podcast. You can listen to us at Anchor, as we talked about. Uh, we're on iTunes, uh, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. You know, you name a medium, and and we're there. Uh, you can also follow us at Florida BB Hour on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NW Blackman. Um, any of these mediums work. So. Thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you after a Gator victory over the Spartans. Uh, Go Gators.